All right, so we are on episode nine of what is now called Coaching Interrupted. After a long legal battle, we decided that lawyers weren't worth the money and we would just change our name. <laughs> so uh, we are now Coaching Interrupted, and I, I hope you guys like the name. And if you don't, oh well, we're not changing it again. That's right. I mean, unless lawyers are involved, then, <laughs> then we might change it. Okay, that might be true, but I don't think Other they'll get that, involved again. I think we'll be all right now. All right, so this episode is a special one as we have, we're going to have Randy Jackson, who is the author of Culture Defeat Strategy and Culture Defeat Strategy 2, and he is the head coach at North Forney. He also has a website, don't he? He does, yeah. Uh, CoachRandyJackson.com, I believe That's right. it is. It is. And like I said, you can find me on there, so go give it a look. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're on the Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame. I am, that's right. You're everywhere. He put me on there. Appreciate that, Coach. All right, so we're going to get started. So what happened on this day in history? In 1954, Roger Bannister runs the first four-minute mile. That's fast. That's really fast. Yes, that is fast. I think it would take me four minutes just to run one lap. <laughs> oh, I was about to say that you were going to say a mile, too. I was like, dang. Stud. stud. That's fast. Yeah, I think it was a big thing during that time, though, because I think a lot of people were saying, like, it wasn't possible, and he was, like, it wasn't humanly possible, and he did it, so. And Roger said, shut up and watch right. this. He said, that's right. He said, I'll show you. Show you has anybody done it since? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think so, sense. yeah. But he was the first one to kick it off, so. Big thing in history. That's nuts. That's crazy. All right, so for birthdays, we have George Clooney, Chris Paul, and Meek Mill. A lot of, a lot of famous birthdays today. CP3. CP3. Yeah, he's – I you know, because when, when, he he when he was on the Clippers, I did, uh, I did really like watching them. He should have been a Laker. That's all I'm going to say. I can't remember. There's him a and Kobe. That, him and Kobe. There's a team that would, was saying that they wanted to trade for him so that just so that they could. They said he's a big guy on actually teaching those younger guys on how to win. I, can I can't remember that. what team it was because I mean he's been doing well for the Thunder right now. But yeah, I can definitely see that. He seems like that type of guy. I can see that. I mean, he really does. I think he does a good job. I mean, he's a great point guard. He is. So, all right. So the word of the day. For today is grit, and I'm going to use John Gordon's definition of, of grit, so let's hear that one. True grit is driven by clarity of mind, purpose, passion, optimism, faith, love, hope, and quite honestly, stubbornness. Knowing your why, refusing to give up, ignoring the critics, believing in the possible, loving what you do, and showing up day in and day out keeps you on the path towards your vision. So that is that is the John Gordon definition of grit. It's a good definition. I think it's a great definition. I, think I feel inspired. Do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so now you're going to go around the four-minute mile. No, you're right. Go train for it. And just don't stop until you get it right. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... I like it. Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the movie True Grit? It just made me think of the I movie. I feel like True I have, Grit. but I don't remember it. Is George Clooney in it? Does no. it? No, no, no. he's not. <laughs> Who no, is he's in not. it? There's actually well, there's actually two of them. There's like isn't there a TV show called True Grit? No, I don't know. But I know on the movies there's a there's like one that was probably made in I don't know 60s or 70s, and then there was another one that came out in the 2000s. Is so. uh what's his name in it? John Wayne. 
John Wayne is in the first one. I knew right. it. Yes, I'm John so Wayne is in the first one. That's I'm excited right. that I actually so. knew that. It was actually it was actually a book too. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Are you looking these up. Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I like to know things. All right. Fact check. He's our fact checker over there. Fact checker. I like it. We got to get you a computer for that. That's right. Preferably like a MacBook or a Chromebook. Ooh, if you got it. You're expensive. Okay, Chromebook. Chromebook, yeah. I was about to say, I was about to say you get a MacBook. <laughs> no, not, no, not those ones we have in there. I want a nice one, Dave. Oh, <laughs> man. Okay, you're expensive. We'll put that on the we'll put that on the to-do list. Yeah, we'll put so, it on the wish list. That's right. It's a very big wish list. Wishful thinking, too. I want, a, I want a, one of those uh, Microsofts. Are they called Microsoft Surfaces? Is that what they're called? You know what oh, they're called? yeah. They're expensive, but they're I really expensive. want one. I don't know why. I don't know. I just bought me a MacBook, and I like it. They're, those things are pretty cool. Uh, buddy, I, used to I like MacBooks, I'm telling you. I too. don't. I don't. I can't it's deal a, with it. Well, it does take. It's I a will, learning curve, it, and I don't do? want to go through okay, it. Okay, well, yeah. Because <laughs> you do, it does take some little, but now that I kind of have it down, I really yeah, like it, no, so. Like, cause you, you right click to copy and paste on something to buy on a MacBook. You have to like put your fingers. Put your feet. Yeah, you gotta do. You, you gotta have to do that. You do have to do that. Has to be a full moon outside. <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah. Right. You gotta hear a coyote howling in the distance, and you know, and and then I mean, on top of that, the I don't like that there's a green, an orange, and a red. Like it's red to exit out, and it's orange to minimize or uh, yeah, minimize the screen, and then. Uh, the green ones like actually just put it down in the tab. I don't know. They're confusing. One of my friends in college, she had one. I was like, how are you, how are you right. working this? I had somebody ask me if the yellow one meant like, does it does it slow down? <laughs> that like, that'd make me mad. I would. Speaking of friends, though, I have to shout out Clay because he'll get mad at me if I don't. So I promised him I would this episode. So there we go. Hey, you're welcome, Clay. The rest of y'all don't get jealous. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, we're about to be on the call with the one and only Coach Randy Jackson. Okay, thanks. Yes, sir, Matt. I appreciate you being on. So the first question we're going to do is um, what are some of your hobbies outside of coaching? Uh, you know, I think I'm a typical coach that doesn't have a ton of hobbies. Um, you really can't. But uh, if, if I – probably my favorite thing to do is travel. You know, so, you know, uh, if I can get on a plane, um, spring break or something like that and travel, I love to do that. But um, not a whole lot of, you know, hunting and fishing and stuff like that. Just don't have the time. I understand. That's awesome. Traveling's, traveling's fun. Yeah, no Where, doubt. Where's your favorite place that you've traveled? Throw an extra question in there. Um, you know, uh this past spring break went to the Bahamas. It was awesome. You know, um, of course, Mexico is always real good. I was supposed to go to uh, my girlfriend and I were supposed to go to Italy, honestly, over spring break. And, uh, you know, they got kibosh. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I got to go to Alaska one time and do a football camp and speak. That was incredible. Um, just so, you know, that's that's really, I think, the thing. Really the number one reason I wrote the book uh, culture defeat strategy in 2016 wasn't, I mean, really my goal was to sell a hundred books, but I knew it would be a great business card for me to contact Nike clinic and just some of the clinics around the country and try to get to go travel and speak at clinics. You don't really make any money speaking at clinics like that, but they'll pay your way. 
and mm-hmm. give you a hotel room. You kind of break even, but you get to go to Seattle or wherever, right? And and right. Just get to go travel. Yes, sir. That sounds fun. That's a good way to get your book out there, especially. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, uh, you know, it's good to go. Like I say, even though, you know, if you're in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, you still might have 10 guys tweet about it or something like that. So, yeah, it, it really is a good way to, I mean, Twitter's been, um, coaches are the best, you know, coaches I really think are the yeah. most humble and help each other and things like that. So yeah, when you travel, you're going to have some coaches that, that are going to help uh, get your, you know, publicized for you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. Uh, so, all right. So moving on to the next question for you. Um, what is your favorite athlete and why? Um. Who was your favorite? One. Um, you know, I like the guys who uh, I can talk to my team about. So, I mean, the first one that comes to mind um, is a video I show my team. I've shown them for two or three years now. Gerald McCoy, who just signed free agent with the Cowboys. Right. And, you know, there's a video of him. It's in one of my leadership PowerPoints. But – Every day at the end of training camp, he's going to walk around and pick up people's helmets and carry them in for them. And, you know, what a great culture, you know. So uh, there's a story about Marcus Mariota, who had a teammate when he was in Oregon, who broke down four hours from campus. Marcus drove and helped him get his car going and drove back. You know, I just those kind of – so I guess those – those are more of my favorite athletes than uh, the guys I don't know about their character. Uh, I like to hear stories. Again, you know, when you're in the quote-unquote culture environment, you know, you're looking for people like that to to give to your team. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's good, those selfless guys. Yeah. I didn't know Gerald McCoy signed with the Cowboys. <laughs> Try yeah. and he'll yeah, be great i mean what a great locker room presence i mean I, she's probably 31 or something now but i think you got to have guys like that i mean when you lose a witten and people like that they replaced him with mccoy i think it's huge and i mean really i've got this in in, in my second book um i tell that story about mccoy bringing the pads in and then i i, I use a the the opposite was and this, i'm dating myself a little bit roy williams try to get Des Bryant to carry his, when Des Bryant was a rookie, he was making it, wanted to make Des Bryant carry his pads in for him. And right. those are two opposite cultures, you know, um, how great is it when, you know, you got servant leadership by your studs and then another team had their studs want to, you know, make the young guys carry their pads in. It's a neat, really is a neat way to look at it. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, I remember, uh, I had this, I was talking to a coach and he was talking about how he made a, like a, he has a chore chart and that's what he does. Like he makes them do all the kids will have chores and, and it's all the way down from your senior all the way to your freshman. So it'd be your number one stud to, you know, the last guy, you know, that might not play hardly at all. And, and he's like, and he tells them like, Hey, we don't care. Like you're going to do a chore and they rotate them every week. But it just kind of made me think about that, how, he just was like, we don't care who it is, what your classification is, you have a chore. That's awesome. And, yeah, yes, I love that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not a bad idea at all. Yes, sir. So I, I've, I, I kind of, I've done that the last couple of years, and I've, it's, I, I've liked it. I, I felt like it made our team kind of closer because, yeah, it didn't matter who you were. So, but anyways, yeah, coach, 
Coach Rogers over here, he's weird. He likes the Eagles. That's why he's a little upset about McCoy signing with the Cowboys. He's I'm pumped about it, but you know. <laughs> he's solid. Yeah, he's definitely one of my favorite players. All right, coach. So we went from, you know, favorite athlete. Can you tell us who your favorite college or NFL coach is? Oh wow. Um for me it'd be uh because I I think this is on my Mount Rushmore of books, but Pete Carroll's win forever. Um, I read that book before I got really into the culture stuff. And so, you know, Pete Carroll say stuff like, Hey, you got to fascinate them every day. And so I know there's a different bunch of different ways to win, but if I, as a player, I'd want to play for Pete Carroll. If there's somebody I could go spend the day with, um, since you're an Eagles fan, I'll say this. Doug Peterson was a college sweet mate of mine. So back uh, we had football dorms, and, and he was my next-door neighbor, basically, and he is one of the greatest guys on the planet. Um, I think he gets it. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I said we stayed in contact now, but uh, Doug is one of those guys I think has some of that Pete Carroll in him, the new age stuff, you know, and so um, – you know, I think guys like that are definitely the ones that I try to steal from. Yes, sir. I've actually got that book on the way right now. Amazon's being dumb with shipments, but that Pete Carroll's win forever is on the way. Yeah, you're going to love it, Coach. It, it's and, and here's what I love about it. I tried to make my books this way. Is there's some there's some things in there you can take home and use. You know, it's not just philosophy, and so you're going to love it. Good deal. All right, so next question, Coach, is going to say what – I know there's a lot of different things that come with coaching, but what would you say is probably your favorite part of of coaching? Um. Okay, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Moments, and it mm-hmm. talks about um, life is about moments. So I think I'm probably addicted to the Friday night moments. Um, right. I got to admit that, you know, but um, – uh, so I'm addicted to the moments, but I'm also addicted to seeing kids grow and turn in, you know, to men and seeing them, you know, like we all wish that as freshmen, they were squared away. And, you know, we all have to have those kids or we'll go crazy, but I've got some kids like I just, I've got a running back right now. Who's going to be a senior. He transferred here about a year and a half ago and the light bulb is He's gotten a couple scholarship offers. The light bulb has come on for him. He's turning into a leader. And I, I, I didn't know if I'd ever see it out of him. And that is like a daddy moment, you know, and it wasn't because of anything I did, but I got to be a part of it. And so um, you younger guys listen to this, you know, I mean, when I was younger, uh, it was about, man, I feel like I designed a play that scored a touchdown and all that stuff. But, as you get older, it's going to be more about seeing kids mature and change, you know, and, and so that's that's my favorite part. That's a good answer. I mean, any, anybody like – I mean, if uh, every coach, I mean, should probably, like you said, at least love those Friday moments because that's – I mean, yeah, you got to do the – you got to do all the – you know, the week of work and stuff, but man, it's, it's just something about those Friday night lights. That's pretty, uh, pretty special. Yeah. So yeah. For sure. It is. I mean, I can't imagine walking out of Clemson or something like that. in those Saturday night moments, oh, no. get, you know, yes, sir. 
gives you the chills just thinking. Yeah, about for it. sure. All right. So next question. I know um, in your books you you give a lot of great advice. Um, so uh, you may you may throw out something that that you've already wrote about, but you may have something something good for us today. So my question is, what is the best advice that you've ever received? Um, this is probably book related, but um, when I hired Brian Kane. In 2015, um, I, I used to spend so much time thinking that the answer was watching film. And I felt guilty as a head coach if I wasn't just watching film all the time in season. And um, Brian Kane is the one who kind of opened my eyes about you got to take care of yourself physically. You need to meditate. You need to work out every day. You know, you need to grow. You need to listen to the success hotline. So bottom line is the best advice for me is it's not about trying to outsmart your opponent. It's about taking care of you as a leader and growing and becoming better. And because you can't give what you don't have. And so if you're going to be a head coach of any sport or the head coach of the linebacker of your position, uh, don't think all the answers are in X and O labs and all that stuff. You got to take care of you and, uh, you know, you, you got to grow as a person too. Yeah, that's great advice. I know when I first got in it, that's all I, that's all I thought it was. I thought it was like you said, I thought it was all just, you got to have the best, you know, the best X's and O's and strategy. And yes, that's important, but it's not the, Mm-mm. that's definitely not, like I said, the, lo- the older I've got, I've definitely learned that too. So yeah, that's good advice. Well, it's hard not to fall into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's pressure on it too. Right. And so, um, I can't remember who said it, but um, somebody, you know, if you if you start researching CEOs and real successful people, they all get up early in the morning. They all work out. They all I don't say all, but, you know, they met they all read. So, you know, success leaves clues. And so uh, one of them said, hey, if I've got a really, really busy day instead of meditating 20 minutes, I'm going to meditate for an hour, <laughs> you know, so. I think it's, I really think this is a great analogy for me, but um, Abraham Lincoln said, if you're going to cut down a tree and you had six hours to do it, you need to spend four hours sharpening your ax. So I think I used to think um, it was just about swinging that ax for six hours and I wasn't spending time sharpening it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great quote. And it's definitely good advice. That's a good analogy. I never thought of it like that. I thought that is that is good stuff. I've been uh, fortunate enough to have somebody sitting across from me that reminds me sometimes that it's not just about W's. So, that's right. Well, I had to learn that too. <laughs> so. All right, Coach. So, you know, you've written all these great books. What was your favorite part about writing those books? Uh, you know, I think it, really when you write something like that, it makes you be introspective. Like it, it, it. I got better. You know, so, so, you know, I was told, hey, you ought to write a book. And I thought, man, I hadn't won state championships and am I qualified? Are people going to laugh or whatever? And, but then I started thinking, okay, I can make a chapter out of each one of our core values. And so um, I think, I think it grown me as a coach because you can't just write a book. You got to, you got to research it. You know, you really got to, you know, I mean, the Gerald McCoy story is from me writing culture defeat strategy two and talking about 
servant leadership and your seniors leading and things like that. And so you start researching that and you start finding good stories like that and it just gets you better too. So probably for me, the, you know, I guess selfishly, I get really good testimonials every now and then. You know, I had a guy tell me the other day he'd coached 23 years and he started to quit coaching until he read my books. I mean, that gives me chills, but, but selfishly, like I, I think I've grown and gotten better as a coach by writing the books personally. Yeah. Well, it really makes you, you know, kind of sit back and think like, wow, you know, like, is this stuff working? Am I doing the right thing? It kind of makes you reevaluate everything you're doing. Yeah. I think, I think once you decide to teach something to somebody else, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. So next question on, okay. So for all some of these, cause I want to like help some of these assistant coaches. So what, what do you think like is a good, like just some traits and things that make up a good assistant coach? Like, what do you look for? It's like, man, that's a good assistant coach um, right there. Like, what would you, how would you describe You know, that? I, I think that is a really good question, A, but, um, I, I like in the Dallas area, you can shake a tree and four quarterback gurus are going to fall out. So, you know, I don't, I don't interview people on, okay. Like I'm not going to get them on the board for a position coach and tell me like, I don't, you know, I, I'm going to hopefully find somebody that I trust who tells me they're a good on the field coach, but I'm going to interview them like, Hey, we're a core values program. What are two or three core values you live by? And, I'm going to make sure that they understand everything matters and they got to, if they, they can't, there can't be profanity and they don't hear it, you know, like, so uh, I, I'm trying to find a, a guy who understands the little things and everything matters and it wants me to help raise them. So to me, uh, to me, um, a great assistant coach is one that you tell them, you give them a job and you don't have to tell them again, they're just going to do it. And, uh, Patton said one time, uh, being a general is 10% giving orders and 90% making sure they get done. And so a great assistant coach for me is I don't have to spend that 90% on them. And, but, but their players will lay in traffic for them because they're helping me raise them and, and they're developing relationships with them. They're going out to eat with them and things like that. Right. Yeah, that's good. I, I, feel like i feel like sometimes like everybody or a lot of people talk about head coaches all like a bunch which is good but i feel like sometimes assistant coaches roles sometimes don't get you know as so i try to i try to always see how to get those guys better too so yeah i agree i think it's something that uh we probably should talk about i I really think how to interview people should be talked about more too you know is is because it's um it's certainly a not an exact science, what questions you ought to, I think you ought to put people in scenarios. You know, when you interview people, you don't just say, Hey, is culture important to you? Cause they're all going to say, yes. I think you say, okay, uh, how, tell me what you've done in the past for your players, you know, to lay in traffic for you. And, you know, hopefully they'll say, Oh, I'll invite them over to the house, things like that. So yeah, I think you got to just try to get, give them scenarios and, and, let them tell you stories. Yeah, I agree. Stories to sell. 
Well, especially when they're telling you the stories. Mm-hmm. He's a big story guy over here. I am a big story I like, guy. I like stories. Stories are good. He just knows more of them off the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you've, you've talked a little bit about, um, you've thrown a few of them out, but uh, what what daily habits do you have that, that make you better as a coach, as a person? Um. You know, I I got to admit, during the quarantine, I haven't done as good, but working out, I mean, I'm going to try to sweat most every day. Um, I think that is really good. I think listening to – so y'all's success hotline is a guy named Dr. Rob Gilbert, and he's a sports psychology professor at Montclair State in New Jersey, and he's done like 10,000-something days in a row of a recording, and they're really good. Um, so, so for me, I think what you just, so here, here's how it was explained to me is you have to set an hour aside every day to get better. 30 minutes ought to be working out and 30 minutes ought to be mental. And so, uh, I can't tell you, I can do that every day, but man, that's part of the routine I try to keep. That's a good, that's a good number. Just, Hey, an hour, like, you know, at least do that. Yeah, I've I've listened to that success hotline every single day, just about since I since I read it. Oh, that's book. awesome! And it's been, I mean, it, it's it's been good, and I've I've sent a few of them to to my girls' basketball team, and I'll tell them like, hey, y'all need to hear this message yeah. today. Yeah. And I, I think I think they, I think a few of them really like it. I don't no, know all of them. Like yeah, I think I, kids like I, I can't tell you I've convinced my football teams. I mean, we've listened to them, but here's what I tell coaches is. If you're listening to the radio, well, A, you ought to be listening, you know, it, it really should be Automobile University. You ought to be listening to an audio book or a podcast. I mean, when you're in your vehicle, you, just, you can really learn a lot. But if you are listening to the radio, commercial breaks are more than three minutes. Why would you listen to commercials? You ought to call the success hotline during that break. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and like the reason, like you said, I like it sometimes, especially with, I mean, I like it, but also with kids sometimes, is you know, a lot of kids, their attention span is not super long. And those, and most of those are what, like three, yeah, three minutes, you know, three minutes, four minutes, whatever at the most. And so you're not asking them, you know, Hey, I want you to listen to this thing for, you know, 30, 45 minutes. It's, you know, three to four minutes, but it's got yeah, good stuff. And there, in it, so. He's the one, Dr. Gilbert helped me with my first book a lot. He's the one that said, make sure you have a story in every chapter. And so his three-minute recordings always have some kind of story, and I mean he's he's just a master. So, yeah, if you want somebody to remember something, you got to put in a story for him, and he does a great job of it. Right. That's right. Stories are definitely the way to go. All right, coach. So this is one that you know we've been kind of really wanting to hear. So, you know, obviously you've been to a bunch of different places and. You know, what you do, you know, obviously works. So what we want to know is, you know, kind of what's your what's your game plan when you go to a new school to, you know, kind of create the culture that you want? Okay, uh, this is and I'm, I'm going to shamelessly plug this, y'all. But this is so important to me that that I have a, a, a resource on my website that says you got the, your, the head job. Now what? And so. I think you must crush your opening meeting with your team. And again, success leaves clues. So you can get on YouTube and type in opening meeting, college head football coach or something. I've got, I've got clips in there 
of coaches who meet in their team for the first time, all of them. So here's what Napoleon Bonaparte said. Leaders are dealers in hope. So if you're going to go somewhere, you got to be like, so those kids have to go home the first day and tell their parents, man, coach Jackson was, he's awesome. He's the right guy. And so uh, you got to shake their hand. You got to, you got to tell them how, how you got to, you know, you have to give them a glimpse into the future and tell them how you're going to do it and all. But so if you're going to create that culture, you got to win them over day one. You have to have a great, and, and here's how honestly, like this is going to get long winded, but if I start on a Monday, in fact, I did this at North Forney. I started on a Monday. I asked the principal if I could have a team meeting in the auditorium the Thursday before I started. And she said, yes. And I mean, the AD was there. There was an assistant soup in there. I mean, it was a deal. And I had a PowerPoint and I crushed it. And I told them, we're going to be good here. Here's how we're going to do it. Seniors, if y'all want to be good this year, you can. I mean, we can, but it's up to you. But you freshmen and sophomore, don't worry about it. We're going to be good. And uh, they left that day fired up. And so I think you got to do that. Then I think you have to establish what's important to you. And for me, what was important to me is it'll never change, but it's finished. We're going to go through the line. I started asking them to come up before school and lift weights just to see who would do it. Uh, then we could spend the athletic period doing other things. Um, but well, and one of the things we did during the athletic period was I, I think you have to have a leadership academy every day. And so um, when I first learned how to do core values, Brian Kane told me, let the players be involved. So here's how you do it. You say, give me three words that you want our program to be known for. So that's how I did it at Grapevine. And, but I did it like day one. Well, I'm having lunch one day. I'm at a clinic, honestly, in Tupelo, Mississippi, and Chad Morris is speaking, and he he invites me to go to lunch. And he's a great – not that I'm Mr. Big at all. He is a great guy. He loves high school coaches. Um, but anyway, we started talking about it. He said, well, Randy, I don't think you ought to do it day one. You ought to talk to your team for about a month and brainwash them and then ask them for those three or five words or whatever. Yeah. And so <laughs> – Again, a long way to answer, but if you're going to establish a culture at a school, but this is the magic question, y'all. Like anybody listening to this, this is the this is the magic that most coaches don't get. They think that they think that they're going to run a new RPO or something. But if you're taking over a new job, crush it day one. Have leadership academies. Make sure your assistant coaches are on board, uh, and then after about three to four weeks have them give you words that you want your program to be known for. Our co our core values are the, the same at, at North Forney as they were at Grapevine, but our players at North Forney think they came up with them, you know, so, <laughs> right. And so right, whatever you're in, whatever you're in on, you're in with. So you got to let them be a part of it. And again, and you have to have core values. So, Heck, I mean, core values are the mother of all culture. And, you know, it just gives you, it gives you like if my, if I got a player that's not acting the way I want him to or whatever, I'll say something like, hey, which core value are you representing here in class when you're giving this teacher problems? And it's just a, a core value is an anchor. And so we, we assign a day to our core values. And that's just easy for me. I don't think you have to do it that way, but that's how my brain works. But, but anyway, so to recap, 
if you're going to create a culture, crush day one, leadership academy, core values, and let them be a part of it. You know, and I'll be honest, you know, because I've, after I talked to you and read your book, is the first time that I really was intentional about, like I would meet oh, with our kids, like you're yeah. talking about the Leadership Academy and do all that. And, you know, and I loved it. And I'll be honest, you know, and when I'd go talk to some other coaches, you know, I would tell them how often I met with our team. And I, you know, and, and some people, you know, they thought I was crazy. They're like, so you're, you're going to tell me you meet with your team that much. And I'm like, yes. You know, cause they're, they're, they're like, well, you're, you're missing on all this practice time, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, I'm like, I, I would not trade it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And, uh, but I think, like you said, if you'll commit to it, I've seen, I've seen a change here with our kids. And I feel like that's a big part of it is just cause you just meet with them and go over so many stories and different things. And it's good. I, I definitely agree with doing those. I'm well, and you think about the colleges, right? So we should be trying to replicate what people do in college. So, you know, if they spend, $200,000 on branding, then we ought to try to spend $2,000. But bottom line is we ought to try to steal what we can from colleges. Every college mm -hmm. head coach is having a daily team meeting with his team. And, and well, PJ right. Fleck is the one crushing it, right? And he's using a clip and yeah, he's fascinating he them, just like Pete Carroll said. It and is. I just think, I just tell coaches, I, mean, I had a coach from Georgia ask me one time, he says, well, let me get this straight. You're meeting with your team 20 minutes a day and it's not about football? Like he couldn't believe it. And I said, yes. And I said, you're just going to get yeah. home 20 minutes mm -hmm. later at night. But if, if, Here's here's so I'm I'm old enough that I remember my parents not asking my opinion about much. Okay, so I think parents today are asking their 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 kids, <laughs> where do you want to go eat? You know, what are you hungry for? Well, when I was a kid, we would have to eat one morning, <laughs> right? And choice, nobody yeah. asked me where I wanted to go eat. Hell, I was just hopeful I was going to get a Coke. And back then you didn't get free refills. And if I drank it too fast, I wasn't going to get another one. And so the players that we're coaching have their voices are heard. They're, they're on, they're retweeting, they're liking, they're forwarding. I mean, everyone, everybody listen to this, your players can have a conversation with somebody halfway around the world today. And so if you think you're going to have a great culture and, not let them be a part of it and and not have daily to and not let them, you know, uh, like, so we're having, a, and, and I'm getting back to this is like, so we have a Monday, we crush a team meeting on Monday. And during the season, we, we, we have time where we answer questions and have discussions about it the rest of the week, but we want our players to talk because they're used to getting to. And so um, I'm not a classroom teacher anymore, but I used to stand and deliver and had great PowerPoints and that's not how you teach anymore. And I don't think that's how you can run a, a, any type of program. If your players, the more voice they have and the more you let them participate, the more they will, you know, lay in traffic for their, for their program. Yep. I agree. I I'm I'm full on board, and like you said with PJ Flick, I I man anything that guy puts out, I listen to and read because, like you said, that dude is that dude is killing the culture right now, and oh, and the yeah. way he does it is amazing. Like it's it's just good. He thinks outside the box. Like you said, fascinates him. Yeah, I mean, so the morning I got to go to a team meeting, I was in Minnesota, 
this is why it's important. I was speaking at a clinic and somehow I got invited to sit in on this team meeting and it was 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. They were having spring practice and I got in that room about 745 or 750 and I think I was one of the last ones in there and music is playing and one of the coaches said, coach, everything here is intentional. This music is intentional. And it was, it was Bruno Mars, 24 karat gold, and it was juiceful, right? And so then the coach looks at me and says, now, coach, when he walks in, they're going to give him a standing ovation. Don't feel like you have to stand up. And I don't think I've ever told the story before. And I thought to myself, that is weird. That's a little weird, right? And <laughs> – I don't know if that coach read my mind or what, but he said, coach, it's totally organic. He never asked them to do it. They'd started doing it on their own. Now that's pretty cool. And yeah, it is. It was 30. It was like being in a, that team meeting was probably 30 minutes. It was like being in a lab, but for those guys to stand up and get, anyway, every coach listening is that's what you ought to be striving for, man. And you're not going to get it by showing them another great drill of how to cut off the baseline in basketball. You're not going to do that. Right. Oh, that's, that's pretty neat. I didn't know that. That's a, I, don't, I mean, it doesn't surprise me though. That guy, he's, he does, he gets those guys to play for him and they're, man, it's what he, and it, he's proven just like you, wherever he goes. Yeah. He I mean, Minnesota, I think they won 11 games last year. Something, I mean, you know, they amazing. Did. They did. Yep. And, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and, I, and I, I'm sorry. I'm just I love talking about this. But, you know, I, I, I put this in my book, but I'm at that clinic, that same clinic. And the guys running the clinic are all like 75 and older. And, and one of them, they're just sitting around talking. And one of them calls him P.J. Flake. And I had to ask him, I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, coach, we're just not sure about all this stuff, you know, because he had just spoke about how to have a team meeting right. and use a movie clip. And then the next morning I got to go sit in on a real one. But you can just see, you know, everybody doesn't buy into it. And but I bet those 75 year old guys now are probably thinking he's doing. And I told him, I said, look, y'all, I'm telling you, it was April the 5th and there was snow on the ground. And and I wasn't saying much. And But I said, guys, all I'm going to tell you is this is he's got to find some four four guys from Dallas to come live up here. And so you, know, you better fascinate. <laughs> right. And so I'm happy he's had that success because I think that's how I would want to be coached. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I'll admit I wasn't the best at, at having team meetings, especially about culture this year, uh, being in my first year, but I mean, I've got, I've got an action plan set for next year and I hope I do a way better job at it. So I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it and, and your books. Have well, just being intentional that. about it, coach, you'll be in the top 1% in the country. I think that's just how you have to look at it, you know? So uh, you'll get better and better at it, but you're going to, you're going to outculture your opposition because they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I sure hope so. All right. We got a, we got a fun one for you here. So, my question to you now, if you could have any superpower, oh my gosh. what would it be? Oh. <laughs> wow. Any superpower. I think it would be read people's minds. You know, yeah, yeah I, 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 just the psychology and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think I'd love to be able to, 
you know, look in and see if if what I'm saying they're really believing or if they're just telling me what I want to hear, those kind of things. And I'd like to be able to read referees' minds too, because I'm I'm not sure what's going on in there. You know, I don't know if that'd be ethical or not, but if we were losing, yes. <laughs> yes, <you're> right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Honest, I like it. Is there anyone's yeah. mind you just straight up would not read? You would just oh, you know, to... Nancy Pelosi comes to mind. Some people like that. They're Sorry, I know y'all don't want to get political on this, but yeah, that's the first one that comes to mind. I love the honesty. Yeah, I do too. All right, Coach. So this is the last question. We always end our our uh, episodes with this question. You've probably already hit on it some, but I was told this question and I always liked it. So I says, if you could go back and talk to day one, Coach Randy Jackson, what advice would you give? Y'all, that's a great question. You know, and Brian Kane calls it the magic. I think he calls it the magic question, and he always asks people, what do you know now you wish you'd have known then? So that this is yes. a great question. But for me, it really is. Uh, it's culture, you know, and, and culture is – I was on a podcast yesterday, and he said, you know, Coach, really I don't even like to use the word culture because it's so overused. And, and I agree with him, but if I – day one, Randy Jackson, it would be – you need to be an expert at something, okay, special teams. My dad coached 41 years. He told me I was a tight end. He said in college, he said, Randy, go be an O-line. Don't be a receiver coach. Go be an O-line coach, and you'll always have a job. So I think that is really good stuff. But but uh, I think day one Randy Jackson would – I think a young coach, you really got to learn a craft and, and learn a position and be an expert. And But, y'all, it is the answer is not in X's and O's. You got to know it. But from the bottom of my heart, I believe Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban both could run different offenses and different defenses and still be unbelievable because of the programs they run. Yeah and the systems they have in place, how you treat people, you know, I mean, hold them accountable. I mean, be tough. So it's not all a love fest. I mean, you got to hold them accountable and be tough, but you got to do it like a father-son relationship. And so, so day one, Randy, I wish I'd have known more about relationships and how to run a program. And y'all like, I've got a, a, a culture video on, on coach tube. And the guy that runs Coast Tube said, Randy, they don't do very good, really. It's all about offense. And, I, and he's right. Like, I've sold some at the beginning. But, I, I mean, and so on the, the bright side of that is guys like you, who the guys who are listening to this, who get it. We, I mean, mm-hmm. we're all looking for the edge. And I think the edge is yeah. culture and the mental game. And day one, Randy Jackson certainly didn't know that in 1990. And y'all, I got to interview. Um, sorry, now I'm long-winded, but if you here, here's what coaches don't do is coaches, y'all, every coach ought to be calling people and just asking them questions, especially during the quarantine. I bet you we could all get a hold of people we didn't yeah. think we could, right? And so one time I called Spike Dykes, and so Sonny Dykes' dad, he's a legend. 
And I asked him about culture and stuff like that. And he was apologizing. You know, Randy, we didn't really do a lot of intentional culture back then. We treated them right and they liked playing for us. But like, uh, Coach Bailiff, who was at Rice and now is at AM Commerce, you know, like he's like, they do a karaoke contest every fall camp. Well, we stole that and we do a karaoke. I sing, it's horrible, right? And but Coach Dykes, who's a legend, they did not do intentional culture like they didn't do that stuff. And so I certainly think you guys listen to this is man, be it be an expert at your position, but learn how to run programs and have a great culture. And that is going to be your edge because everybody's can get on X and O labs and, and learn now. I mean, uh, how mummy is making a million. I mean, I don't know. He, he's making, he's making so much money yeah. by telling people they're air raid certified. Right. And so yeah, down yeah. coast tube <laughs> says he's the number one yeah. seller by far. And so it's okay to be air raid certified. I'm a, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I mean, I'm talking clinics. I mean, I started talking about our we we run the quote unquote Baylor Art Brawl, you know, right? And so yeah, I love it. I think what we do is important. But being air raid certified or knowing how to go no huddle and all that is not the number one thing. It is about relationships and how to create a culture and run it and have systems. Yes, sir. I got to throw in our. Oh, Robinson yeah, man. Yeah, hits. he is one of the yeah, finest yeah. guys, too, man. He's a good guy and he's a genius. He's a genius. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what he, what he did yeah. at Baylor was pretty and, extraordinary. But, like, so we had an assistant coach here and we would, I would ask him other things, too, not just offense. He's you know, like, he told me one time that yeah. Coach Brow said, never walk by a player. If you don't have time to stop and look him in the eye, don't – he said – here's what he said. If you're in a hurry, don't talk to him. Don't, But don't walk by a player and say, how's it going, and keep walking. If you're going to speak to him, stop and look him in the eye and have a 30-second conversation. If you don't have time for that, don't speak to him at all. You know, think like that, right? Like, so Art Riles wasn't just an offensive genius. He is yeah. – uh, he gets it too, right? He gets relationships and touching kids, shaking their hands. And so – that's what day one Randy Jackson had no clue about. Yes, sir. Man, that's good. That's, yeah, that's really Well, good. I appreciate you guys, y'all. I am honored that y'all asked me to be on. And, you know, I really tip my hat to guys who are just trying to help the profession. And you guys are doing that with this podcast. And uh, I wish you the best. It's going to do great. Thank you. I got. I just wanted to say something before we uh, before we let you go. Um, I really, I just wanted to say, you know, how much your books have helped me. I mean, I Coach Kelly, uh, Coach Kelly gave me the the first one, and I had to. He, he had so many notes in it. I had to go get my own because I knew he wanted it back. Sure. Um, and then so, I ordered both of your books, and I finished. I finished that first one probably the fastest I've ever finished a book in my life, and I finished that second one nearly just as fast. And I know you probably hear this a lot, but, I mean, your books have just helped me so much as a as a young guy and, and seeing how much more everything uh, 
how much more intentional I should oh, be with everything. It means a lot. I mean, that. that is just music to my ears, Coach. So thank you so much for saying that. And, you know, I just wanted something that uh, people could take and say, I can implement these three things, something like that. Not just, you know, I hate reading a book and at the end of it go, well, what can I, what are the take homes I have? And so, you know, just try to have some take homes and um, it's been really rewarding to hear you know, testimonials like that. So thank yep. you very much. Oh, yes, yes, sir. It's good. I always, I mean, not just because you're on here. That's when people ask me, what are the best books I've read? I always say, to be honest with you, I've had two books that have changed my, I guess, coaching. And it's yours and then the oh, yeah. you win in the locker room first. Those two books. Those two books for me are, and that's when anyone asks me, I tell them it's those two. Those are the two that changed my coaching yeah, yeah. I guess whatever well, Pete Carroll's win forever so. was that thing, you know and, and it was before yeah, I you know I now. wrote my book and all that so <laughs> he talks about core values and things in there but he doesn't really tell you how to do them of course right and so um that's what y'all like mm -hmm. I think my first book really was just that's what I hear about right is people know how to make core values because it's pretty simple, but no, I didn't know until right. Brian Kane taught me, you know, so, um, but anyway, I'm honored that uh, I've had 1% influence on you guys or anybody else. And I think it's the greatest profession in the world. I think guys like y'all are helping raise kids. Uh, I mean, other than pastors, uh, who does, who's more important than coaches? That's right. Yes, sir. hundred percent agree. Well, like I said, we appreciate you coming on to uh, our our podcast. Well, appreciate you guys, y'all. Good luck. And uh, if you ever need uh, – if, if six people cancel on you, you need somebody last minute, let me know. You guys have a great day. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you.